Good morning. Let me take this time to greet you all in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I hope that you're hearing a new voice. Um, <laughs> um, it's, it's a blessing to be with you this morning. It's been a while since I've been on the pulpit, and I've really missed the church family as well. I've been um, on some Sundays away from, from the church, and it's really good to be with you as a church family and to worship God with you, to fellowship with you. Um, you're such a blessing um, to my wife and I as a family and continue to pray for us as you um, um, have heard the good news. Uh, keep us and uphold us in prayer and uh, before the Lord. Um, we'd really, really appreciate that as you bring us before the Lord in prayer. I see a, a, a new face. Maybe it's not a new face because I was not uh, around. Uh, <laughs> um, What's your name? Uh, see, not Lemohang. I know Lemohang. Uh, Ma. Malishwani. Okay, uh, Malishwani, welcome uh, to CBC. Get to know her after church. Um, and just before I go, I, I continue. We um, going to have a baby dedication ceremony. Um, right after um, uh, communion, so please don't leave after communion. We're going to uh, have a short um, um, baby dedication ceremony for Ethan uh, Goto. Uh, I'm saying it right, right? It's Ethan Goto. Ethan Goto. So uh, there's also cake. So um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm big on cake. I love cake. So uh, I'm really excited about that. I think that's the part I'm excited about, uh, that there is cake. Um, I'm excited about uh, today that we are starting a new series um, through James, uh, Practical Christianity. So let us go to the book of James, um, the, the letter that Paul, I mean, that James writes, I almost said Paul writes to James. Uh, uh, James writes, um, so we're going to look at this letter, I don't know, over maybe a period of two years um, as we hear what God has to say to us. Um, through his word. Um, we, so today I'm just going to give you an overview of, of this letter. James, um, let us look at um, chapter 1, verse 1. James chapter 1, verse 1. It says here, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. And this is God's word. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are God and you are great and you know us. As we take these uh, um, months to go through this letter, we pray that you open our hearts to um, understand your word, appreciate your word, walk in your word. We pray that your word will be um, planted deep in our hearts to shape our lives, shape our thinking, shape our speech, and shape our actions. We pray most importantly for your Holy Spirit to give us understanding, O oh God, for we cannot understand it without the Holy Spirit. May you lead us, O oh God. Even this morning as we go through um, this whole letter, we pray that you help us to love and honor you for the sake of your name and your kingdom. In Jesus' blessed name, amen. 
an author by, by the name of Paul Molly, uh, in his book, uh, the, the book I Surrender, he, he writes that the, the church's integrity problem is in the misconception or the misunderstanding that we can add Christ to our lives but not subtract sin. He says it is a change in belief without a change in behavior. And he goes on to say it is revival without reformation, without repentance. And isn't that how um, many Christians today go about their, their lives in, in our age? Isn't that what we see, um, the way people live what they call the Christian life? The people who profess to know Christ with their mouths, but with their lives they tell a different story. The, the, the words and the conduct do not match. What they claim to believe seems to have no effect on how they live their lives. Their, their view of life is not shaped by the scriptures, but by worldly thinking. I wonder if this describes you this morning. Do you live what you profess? When you say, I'm a Christian, do you live like a Christian? Let me ask you a few questions. How much of, of God's word goes into the way you make decisions? Do you consider God's word when you make decisions? How much of God's word goes into how you raise your children? How much of God's word goes into the way you conduct yourself in your workplace? How much of God's word goes into how you live your life as a, as a husband, as a, as a wife? Does the word of God have any bearing at all on your life? Does your Christian faith affect how you see life? Or is it something that is totally separate from the rest of your everyday life? Like a jacket that you wear on Sunday, right? That you can take it off during the week and put it on on Sunday and look good, look like a Christian, and then put it off. It's separate from your life. Is your life reflecting the fact that God has done something in your heart? These are questions of great importance that we need to ask ourselves every day. And the best way to do that, I believe, is through looking at God's word as our guide. Right? God's word become, becomes a lens um, through which we see and analyze our lives. The, the, the letter of James brings us a clear uh, and succinct message that, that Christianity by nature must be practical. Christianity by nature must be practical. Christianity, in other words, affects all of life. Which means that for a Christian not to see life through a Christian lens or not to do life in a Christian way is an oxymoron. It's a contradiction in terms. This letter stands out as a practical letter. It is here that we learn the truth that theology must be translated into life. In other words, what we believe about God what and, and what he has revealed in, in the Bible must affect how we live our lives on a daily basis. 
Christianity, um, it, it, granted, is 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 grounded in the historical effects of the death of Christ for sinners on the cross, in, in his burial, and his resurrection from the dead. But it doesn't end with effects, right? It, it doesn't end with mental assent to say, I believe um, the facts in my mind. The, the, the facts must also uh, um, affect the heart, right? It must affect the heart, and not only the heart, but also the will, your actions. It, it, it must be displayed in the way you live your life, the way you conduct yourself, that you are truly a Christian, right? Let me go back. I think I've given this illustration a couple of times, so if it's boring, uh, forgive me. But uh, there, there was a man uh, by the name of Alexander the Great, right? Great man um, that history has written about. And so a Alexander the Great was known as a man of great conduct, as, as a man who has conquered uh, the world. And, and so one of the, the, there, was, there were one of the soldiers who were conducting, uh, who was conducting himself in an unruly manner. He, he was a drunkard, always living uh, a, a life that is not fit for a soldier. A and one day, uh, um, one of the, 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 the men that are in charge of this man took this man to Alexander. And it turns out that this, this unruly man is also Alexander. And they take him and they tell the story to Alexander. Alexander says, Young man, it's either you change your conduct or you change your name. Right? says I cannot relate to you I cannot you cannot be Alexander and, and and act like this it's either you change your name or you change your conduct in the same way when we call ourselves Christians uh, our conduct must must relate to that of Christ right we must reflect Christ in in our conduct and in if we don't it's either we we stop calling ourselves Christians or we change our conduct to that of a true Christian. In other words, um, a Christian conduct is the product of our relationship with God. Right? Right? The fact that we have a relationship with God must be seen in the way we conduct ourselves. The, the, the letter of James here is a letter that is classified as a general letter or a Catholic letter. Catholic, not meaning Roman Catholic. Um, the word Catholic means universal. It means that it was sent out to, to many uh, people. And when you, when you look at the letter, look at, he says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, greetings. These are his writing to mainly the, the Jews who were outside Palestine. Um, the, that word dispersion is from the Greek word diaspora. And we know what diaspora means. So diaspora um, um, is referring to the, the Jews who were living outside Palestine for various reasons. And he's writing to these people this letter. It is unlike other letters of Paul and, and, and the rest. It's a letter that is practical. James here introduces himself 
as James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is clear as he writes this letter that his audience knew him very well. They, they, they were familiar with who James is. But we are not, right? We are not. And so um, we need to, to, to look at God's word and, 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 and to, to, to research who James was. When you look at the New Testament, there were three men who were, who were named James in the New Testament. Two were apostles, and one was the brother of Jesus. The, the, the first James was uh, martyred. He was killed for his faith in the beginning of the Christian era. When you look at uh, um, Acts chapter 12. And so um, we, we rule him out. He cannot be the one who wrote this letter. Um, and the second James is the, uh, it's another apostle, but we are hardly told anything about him after the resurrection of Christ. Nothing is said about him, so we rule him out as well. The last James that is left is the brother of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is James. He was called James the Just. He was the first bishop in Jerusalem. And um, when you look at his speech, um, James the Justice speech in uh, Acts chapter 15, um, the way he, 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 he speaks um, relates to the way James is written. So it is clear that it is the brother of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I want you to notice something here. I want you to notice his humility. Right? He doesn't even mention um, that he is the brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what he says. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he sees himself not in a position of privilege, but in a position of servanthood. Right? He, 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 he sees himself as one who was receptive of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now think about this, that James and his brothers did not believe in Jesus Christ at first. They did not believe in him. They did not believe that he was Lord. Think about it. Growing up with a sinless Savior in the house, right? The Bible tells us he's never sinned. They probably have observed his life throughout as he grew up. They observed the way he prayed. They observed the way he related to his parents. Never rebellious. Never sinning against his parents. But what? They never believed in him. Until he went to the cross and died and, and rose again. We are not told when, where James uh, uh, believed, but he believed and we see him in Acts chapter 15 as a pillar and a, a bishop in, in Jerusalem. Now, this letter that James writes to this church answers the most important question that we need to ask ourselves as Christians. This is the question. How does a man or a woman who has been transformed by the gospel live their lives in the here and now? How does a man or a woman who has been transformed by the gospel live their lives in the here and now? Uh, to, to simplify it, how does a Christian, how does someone who say I am a Christian live their lives? Right? James answers this, this question throughout this letter. The, the, the epistle has four general divisions, general sections that helps 
that help us in answering the question. And here we see four portraits of a gospel-transformed person. Four portraits of a gospel-transformed person. The first portrait of a gospel-transformed person is that he responds to trials with maturity. A gospel-transformed person responds to trials with maturity. We see that in chapter 1, verse 1 to 18. We're not going to read all these verses. I just want to highlight a few things. We're just going to spend a few, a few minutes just looking at this and, and, and whetting our appetites as we go through this letter. The first one um, 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 portrait that we see is that a person who's, who's, who's transformed by the gospel responds to trials with maturity. When you look at the opening here, um, the, after James um, gives his greetings, he, he gets into several issues that he addresses um, in the church that the, the, the people were going through. And among these issues is the issue of trials, right? They were going through trials. And look at verse 2. Look at verse 2, what he says. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, right? They, they, they were facing trials of various kinds. And we will see next week that this word various kinds is, 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 is the Greek word where we take the word multicolored. They are multicolored. They are, there are many different types of trials. Uh, what this shows us is that the life of a Christian is not a feather bed life, right? It's not a life of smoothness. It's a life that uh, you face challenges and difficulties, but there's a way in which those who are Christians respond, right? Uh, what James shows us here is that it doesn't mean we do not become hurt. It, it doesn't mean that we do not experience pain. It doesn't mean that we do not experience uh, uh, disappointment. But he says that we look at these things through the lens of maturity through the scriptures. Right? The scriptures say, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Look at verse 12 again as he, as he concludes on trials. He says, blessed is the, is the man or, or the woman who, receive, who remains steadfast under trial. Right? In other words, trial will come, but we, we, we need to do what? We need to remain steadfast under trial. Blessed is this man. Happy is this man. For when he has stood the test, of, uh, when he, has stood the test he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Right? This, this person is blessed when they, when they remain steadfast. They will experience trials, but they remain steadfast in trial, and they will be rewarded by the Father. There's also an idea here in verse 18, in which James speaks of the true condition of the heart, of these people and what God has done. Look at what he says. He says, of his own will, he's talking about God. He, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruit of his creatures. And I like the first phrase. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. In other words, what he wants to show us is the lives of Christians are lives that have been transformed by God himself through his word. Right? 
These are people that have received the gospel. These are people that have been transformed by the gospel. In other words, this, is, this message is very important because it tells us that the life of a Christian does not mean that they will not experience trial. It does not mean that they will not go through challenges. I find that today a lot of preachers stand on the pulpit and they tell people come to jesus and all your problems will go away come to jesus and you will never experience difficulty in your life come to jesus and your life will be smooth come to jesus and you will receive your houses you will receive your marriages you will receive um, and, and they name all these things that they name but the bible tells us that come to jesus and he will sanctify you and he does so even through trials We see that trials do not come just flippantly. God has a purpose through those trials. He is sovereignly working in our lives. So that's the first portrait that we see in chapter 1 verse 1 to 18. The second portrait that we see about a person who is transformed by the gospel is that this person bears fruit as evidence for their faith. That they bear fruit as evidence for their faith. Uh, this second section, section is marked out by three key words that we see here. The first word is the, the word of God. He talks about the word of God in verse 19 to verse 27. He talks about the law in, in chapter 2 verse 1 to, to 13. And he talks about works um, in chapter 2 verse 2 to, 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 to 14. And let me explain this well. Um, when you look at chapter 1, verse 19, and, and, and following, he talks about how the word of God must affect Christians on a daily basis, on how we must respond to the word of God, Right? On our relation with the world, think about it. Let me, let me read for you verse 19 and going. He says, know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and, and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. He says, but be doers of the word, not hearers, only deceiving yourselves. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away at once, and at once forgets what he looks like. Think about that picture for a moment. Right? Women love the mirror, right? They love the mirror so much. And they, they, they spend time on the mirror, um, you know, beautifying their faces that are already beautiful. Um, they, they, they beautify their faces. And, and so uh, after that, they, they leave the mirror knowing what they have done to their faces. Just imagine if, you know, you take um, the, 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 the lipstick uh, as a woman and you apply it on your face and you smear it uh, around your mouth and, and, and all over your chin and you, you see it, right? You see it that this is what I look like. And then you walk away and turn away. It doesn't make sense, right? 
It doesn't make sense. When you see something wrong in your face, you're going to fix it. In the same way, James uses this picture and says, the way we respond to the word is like we go to the word and the word mirrors our heart. It shows us what is in our heart. And when we see how the word addresses the sins of our hearts, addresses the weaknesses of our hearts and corrects us and rebukes us, we look at the word and we respond to the word, right? We ask God to cleanse us and purify us and sanctify us. The way we respond to the word of God must be in such a way that fruits are being produced in our lives. We, we bear fruit as evidence for our faith. The, the Christian faith is not a dead faith, right? It's not a dead faith. It's a, it's a fruit-bearing faith. We see these two um, portraits. The first portrait being that um, uh, someone who's transformed by the gospel responds to trials with maturity. And secondly, they bear fruit as evidence for their faith. And thirdly, the person who's been transformed by by the gospel handles conflict with wisdom they handle conflict with wisdom and we see this in chapter one uh chapter three verse one to chapter four verse um 12. they handle conflict with wisdom now now think about it as i we we, we were going through the uh, the lost prayer and we saw that conflict is inevitable where there's more than two people right um, conflict is inevitable in the workplace. Conflict is inevitable in the home. And, and as well, conflict is inevitable in the church because we encounter people that have different opinions from us, right? People that do things differently from us. And so in the church, when I'm a Christian, my goal is not to look at my own interests. My goal is to look at the interests of others, to think about others more than I think about myself. Unfortunately, we live in an in a, in a individualistic culture. It's unfortunate that even other cultures that were by nature communal are becoming individualistic as we urbanize. Uh, we, we, we become urbanized and move to urban environments and cities. We become more individualistic. We become, we, 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 we keep to ourselves. But let me tell you, that's not a Christian attitude. That's not a Christian attitude. That's not what we see in the Bible. Just think about um, what we see here in James. Look, look, look for, for a minute. I'm just going to read this. Ne? Verse 2 of chapter 1. My brothers. Verse 17, verse, verse 19. I mean, verse 16, my beloved brothers. Verse 19, my beloved brothers. Chapter 2, verse 1, my brothers. Chapter 2, verse 14, my brothers. What do you think James is doing here? Why do you think he's using this word? He's not using it flippantly. Just, just using it, we, we use it these days, brother or, or sister, th that's it. James is, is, is showing them that we are family. We have been redeemed into one family, right? We are one because of Christ. And so the way we handle conflicts must be with wisdom. The way we address conflicts must be to think about others more than we think about ourselves. 
What is wisdom? James addresses the issue of wisdom. Look at, look at verse 13 of chapter 3. Who is wise and understanding among you? Right? Show me who is wise among you. Show me who is understanding among you. Listen to James. He, say, he doesn't answer the question by saying the wise person among you is the one who has a big library of books. He's not saying he's the one who has a, a great understanding of theology. Listen how he answers. He says, by his conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom by the way they carry themselves. But if you, you, are, you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly and spiritual and demonic. It's demonic. We can act like demons even as Christians. <laughs> when we see people, our hearts begin to be, become to flare up with, with hatred. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Conflicts will arise. But God calls us to respond with wisdom. Right? So we see these um, three uh, portraits. The first being um, that a gospel-transformed person responds to trials with maturity. Secondly, they bear fruit as evidence for their faith. Thirdly, they handle conflict with wisdom. And fourthly, a gospel-transformed person has a Christian view of life. They have a Christian view of life. All of life is affected by the fact that they are Christians. They, they seek to know what God says before they make decisions. Before they, they run and, and, and make any kind of decision, they, they seek to know what the word of God says. Before they make any business plan, they commit it to God. Before they make any year plan, they commit it to God. They know that God is sovereign and he controls all of life. And so they are subject to him in everything. Right? A pastor, friend of mine, I don't know um, why he thinks like that. He says that, um, so he's leaving, he's leaving the pastorate. That, um, he's leaving the pastorate and, 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 and he is going into business. And he says that in 2022, I want to see myself having 5 million. Good, good, good goal that you have. But you are not in control of life. You, you, you speak in such a way that you are the master of your fate, the captain of your what? Soul. Your? <laughs> your destiny. Right? That is not true. You're not the captain of your destiny, you're not the master of your fate. God is. 
God is. James addresses these people who are making plans without God. He says to them in chapter 4, listen, chapter 4, verse 13 and following. He says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a place, such and such a town, and spend a year there and trade and make profit. They are already making how long this is going to take. We are going to trade. We are going to make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. I mean, think about it. You're making a plan for a year, but you don't know what tomorrow will bring. Right? But this does not mean we do not plan. Listen to what James says. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Listen, if you don't make plans about the future, you are sinning. But if you make plans about the future without God, you are sinning. Right? So James is calling these people who are making plans and he says, commit your plans to the Lord. Right? Say, if the Lord wills. Dio Valente, right? If the Lord wills, then this will happen. If the Lord does not will, it will not happen. Why? Because the will of the Lord is all pervasive in all of life. Right? It touches all of life. We, we live in such a way as Christians that think about a, a big house, right? A mansion. We live in such a way that our lives are, are like a mansion and we have all these rooms that we are allowing Jesus to go in them. But we have this one room in which we, he's not allowed. He's prohibited to go. But the will of God calls us to open all the rooms to him. All of them. Right? To, 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 to have this portrait of a, of, 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 a, of, a, of a gospel transformed person. These four things are to shape our lives. And as we go through this letter, here are things that I really want you to do. First of all, read through James. Read through this letter. Familiarize yourself with the letter. Secondly, pray. Pray that God will use this um, word to, to change you and to shape you. Thirdly, make it a habit to share what you have learned. Right? Either after in fellowship, as you, 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 you fellowship with one another, uh, uh, share with each other what you've learned. Sit down as a family after church. Uh, remind yourselves of what you've learned in God's word. Make it a habit. Right? Fourthly, invite a friend. Come with a friend. Let them hear the word of God. Evangelize. Share this with colleagues at work. Amen. Our Father in heaven, we thank you. Thank you that your word is sufficient, able to speak to our lives. We pray that our hearts will respond with submission to your word. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.